Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the Witch's Wheel of the Year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight Sabbaths. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Welcome back, heathens. Once again, we are here for our weekly ritual in this wonderful podcast. I hope it's wonderful for you. (laughs) It's pretty good for me. That's why I keep doing it. (laughs) Okay, um, where are we? This is Lunasad season, waxing moon in Sagittarius, lunar week 30. Let's do a little housekeeping first, and then... Let's get into the work of this week because, you know, big surprise, we have a lot of stuff to go over. (laughs) So first off, let me say, um, I am hosting a tarot workshop. If somehow you have not heard about this, uh, I will be hosting a six week tarot workshop called Welcome to Tarot. It is an intensive uh, foundational introduction to the practice of tarot, as well as a means of helping you establish a daily magical practice with tarot or otherwise. Um, this workshop is about half sold. So if you are interested in getting tickets, uh, you might want to move on that. Um, It starts September 13th. There are discounts available for all of my patrons, absolutely. Uh, Folks that are subscribed to my Patreon at the highest three levels, the top three levels, um, have access to free classes. Not the Welcome to Tarot workshop, but the five extra workshops that I am teaching after Welcome to Tarot. Um, And those are there for people who have already taken the class um, and or folks who are taking this workshop uh, for the first time and want to kind of expand and specialize in some particular areas. We're going to go over the Major Arcana really intensely. We're going to talk about reversals. We're going to talk about working with helpers uh, and, and, and. All of that stuff is on my website. Um, You can get tickets now for all of that stuff. And as I said, patrons have discounts, um, get free stuff, all of that stuff. If you have already taken this course with me, uh, I am offering an option for a few folks, as long as there's room to audit this course at half the price. Um, yeah. What else? If you sign up for the Welcome to Tarot workshop, I guess I should have said this before, um, all of the add-on classes are automatically 10% off. So there's that. Uh, I have two seats that are half price for folks that make, uh, less than 30,000 a year. And, 10% of all of the proceeds from Welcome to Tarot, as well as all of the follow-up workshops, um, are going to be donated to the European Roma Rights Center, um, which is a nonprofit group supporting uh, Romani and traveler people around the planet. Um, Yeah, so check out my website uh, if you have any questions or if you want to sign up. Time's running out. Seats are selling. 
Just a warning. Okay. <laughs> Our next Wheel of the Year class will be Maybon. This is a six-week guide to uh, Fall Equinox or Second Harvest. And this is going to be September 15th. Um, please tune in. Uh, join my newsletter uh, through my website. Check out my website. I will have listings on where exactly you can watch that. I have been posting all of my classes to YouTube or live streaming them on YouTube for some time now. And I've had some technical difficulties and I've had to switch over to um, teaching through Zoom for patrons and then uploading the class at a later time. So we're going to see how exactly that plays out. I'm not sure. Um, we'll see. Okay, what else is happening? Uh, tarot Circle is happening September 22nd. This is a community building tarot oriented workshop for my patrons, uh, for everybody that is signed up at whatever level. Um, however, this month's Tarot Circle and next month's Tarot Circle are both also open to everybody that is taking the Welcome to Tarot workshops. So, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And this month, we are going to be getting together, and I'm very excited about this, doing a community reading for fall. Uh, super stoked on that. Um, our community readings always turn out wild and awesome. So, uh, I always look forward to them. Okay. Uh, that's everything. That's all the housekeeping, or at least that's all I've remembered to write down. So that's all we get. Uh, <laughs> I'll probably remember something halfway through the podcast. <laughs> all right, let's get into this week's work. Okay. As always, to orient us on the wheel, where are we in our big year-long process? We are within Lunasad or Lunasa or Lamas season. And our witches work throughout the entirety of the season centers on situations, conversations, internal work, external work, experiences, reflections, la da 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 that bring us into a conversation on power, leadership, production, and maturation. And, you know, those are pretty broad ideas, right? So we get to explore them in this season from a bunch of different angles. Easy, hard, fun, not so fun, confusing, clarifying, all of that. You know, what do we need to bring in? What are we letting go around that? All of it. So this season brings us through Leo and Virgo. And so how we wield our willpower in the world and for the group is a really deep focus at this time of year. But that work can take a toll on us, especially when we look forward and we realize that we're not going to be done <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we are still quite in the thick of it, especially again, thinking that, you know, Maybon, as I just mentioned, is the next thing that's coming up. That's still harvest season, right? So we are we're still in this and we're going to be in this work in various forms for a while. So when Virgo comes along, this portion of the wheel really helps us momentarily reorient and ground back into our bodies and come back to the daily rituals that help our personal lives run smoothly while we're doing all of this stuff out there in the external world. 
it can kind of focus our worldview a little bit, Virgo season, and bring attention to the little details in our personal life that, when attended to, makes everything run a little bit smoother. And this can be a hard or a weird energetic shift after the intensity of summer. Um, right? We talked about that last week. Like, you know, Leo season is chunk glitter. And Virgo is when that glitter just turns into like grit and sand, right? It's like, what are all these little specks all over me? Um, but this shift is necessary. If we're going to keep it cute, as we move into fall and continue to attend to this work in its forms as it moves forward. So let's start um, this week by talking about the moon. And I'm going to talk a lot about the moon because uh, the, the lunar phase that we start this work, excuse me, the lunar phase that we start this week with, work with, yeah, whatever, <laughs> it works both ways, um, really bleeds into the astrology that we have this week. Um, and so kind of, it's one of those weeks where everything is everything. <laughs> it all kind of touches each other. Um, and I know that the last few weeks we've been sort of mixing it up a little bit with the format. So what we're going to do this week is I'm talking about the moon and the astrology kind of all more or less at the front. And then we're going to get into the holy days and our tarot work and our spell casting work. Um, and I hope that it makes sense all together, me laying it out in this way. Again, always open to feedback. As I say in the description of this podcast, uh, this is still an experiment. Yes, two years in, still experimenting. Um, and, uh, you know, it is for me, but it's also for us and it's for you. Um, so I do want to know if it's working, right? This is me refining things. <laughs> okay. So this lunar week is kicking off with, as I mentioned, a waxing moon in Sagittarius. It is at approximately 11 to 12 degrees of Sagittarius. Um, and when we have a waxing moon, the moon and the sun are square to each other, which means that there is a bit of friction in our process. And we know that friction is how we start a fire. It's how our tires stick to the road. So under the right circumstances, friction is helpful. The sun is in Virgo and the moon is in Sagittarius. Uh, so the friction here comes in the difference of viewpoint between Virgo, focusing on the fine details of our process, and Sagittarius, opening our minds to the broadness of all that a situation could contain. Uh, Sagittarius moons are all about um, information gathering, but mostly for the sake of just rolling around in a bunch of knowledge and just like having fun with it. On Sagittarius moons, we kind of want to lean into what we don't know. Um, and like embrace the places where we don't know what's happening and we don't necessarily have an agenda. Um, so as I just said, however, Virgo is all about the little details and the finer points. So these two are kind of naturally at odds with each other. And to add to this tension, Mercury, the ruling planet of Virgo, will station retrograde this week. Aha, 
So this entire week could feel kind of like a tug of war in your mind around facts, details, information, and what we are supposed to be doing with all of it, or are we supposed to be doing something with it, and how do we make those decisions? Now, here in 2022, <laughs> in late-stage capitalism, um, you know, late-stage capitalism has everybody convinced that time equals money. So if you're going to uh, invest time and brain power into something, it had better pay off, right? Or it's a waste of time. Um, and this attitude is totally antithetical to Sagittarius's attitude, which embraces the adventure, embraces the learning for the sake of learning, embraces exploring for the sake of exploring. Like that stuff is the payoff for Sagittarius. So let me give you an example. Let's say you buy a book on astrology and the first half of the book is like, theory and case studies and the author's like musings on myth and stuff like that. And then the back half of the book is just a cookbook, you know, sun trine Mars equals this Mercury uh, in Scorpio means that Jupiter in the third house means X, Y, Z. So pause here and think to yourself, which part of the book has the most value? The, the capitalist in you might have a knee jerk response that the second half is is the most valuable right a lot of us might say the back half because it's just getting straight to the meat and potatoes right we have a question here's the answer boom done solved moving on but sagittarius would say first off the entire book is important and and moreover the first half might actually be the more important pieces because who knows what we will learn in that part, right? The idea here is like, who knows what thoughts and ideas could arise in us as we explore that information? Who knows, you know, what that will do to us? Who knows what doors that will open in us as we wander through those ideas, right? It's exploratory, it's expansive. So when we approach a situation with a fixed idea of what we need to know, and we have our questions pre-formulated and we're just looking for the answers to those questions, it can feel like we're being efficient with our time. Virgo loves efficiency, baby. But what we're really doing is we're limiting the potential of a situation down to what we think we already know about it. And we're just looking to plug those last few holes in our knowledge. Sagittarius is looking at that entire situation from the opposite end. I know this and that, but what else could I learn if I just wander in this knowledge for a while? So that's really kind of the heart of the friction that is, you know, in this square, this waxing moon. Like, Am I just looking for answers to the questions that I've already created, or am I willing to stand in, I don't know what the fuck's going on, and let me just learn some stuff and listen and gather information for a while. Now, let's bring in, because why not, right? <laughs> let's bring in the fact that Mercury is stationing retrograde at the end of the week. We will talk more deeply about this later, but let me say now that Mercury will station retrograde September 9th at approximately 9 degrees in Libra at 8.39 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day slash the next day for everybody else around the world. 
this week is a great preamble to getting comfortable with what you don't know and is asking you to move into a place where you can be as comfortable as possible with uncertainty, especially in our relationships, because that's what Libra wants to talk about is our relationships. Is uncertainty comfortable? Generally, no, right? <laughs> Generally, it's not. We want to know what the fuck is going down <laughs> so we can plan our actions or plan our getaway or whatever, right? Uncertainty is destabilizing. Uh, new information is destabilizing. And sometimes new information is also overwhelming, right? So remember before when I said that we tend to predetermine things as a form of efficiency? Really, it's kind of a form of protecting ourselves. It's a method to keep ourselves safe, right? Destabilizing, no thank you. Let me just predetermine things and then I know how this is all going to roll out. But it comes at the cost of potentially missing out on a much more expansive understanding of our world, our situation, our relationships, and our capacity in those spaces, right? We're also underestimating or limiting ourselves and what we could do or be in those places. So this week, we're really being asked to hold what we think we know very lightly and to open ourselves as much as is safe and healthy for us to what we do not know. Now, we don't need to make any decisions or take actions based on any of this new information. And in fact, it would be wise not to if we can't afford it or avoid it, excuse me. Um, instead, be open and non-judgmental about information. Be open and non-judgmental about information sources. And try to be open and non-judgmental about what we think we're supposed to do with that information. Will all of this stuff pan out? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. That's why we want to just kind of let the information come in and roll out like the tide. And if that feels weird, word, yes, um, but if that feels weird, root yourself in your daily practices, Virgo. Root yourself in self-care routines. It's literally, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I know that this stretch makes me feel good. Uh, the vibes are off at work, but I'm happier when I eat food I cooked for myself. So let me try to pack my lunches this week, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, you know, the, the vibes are weird in my relationship right now, but I know that I love the way that my house smells after I clean and I light some incense. It's that thing. Right. And does that stance like solve the problem or produce a solution? No, not necessarily. But again, this goes back to what I was saying about how we place this demand for results on everything that we're doing. This is a week where we want to question and examine our process around demanding for results. Sometimes it's not about the results. Sorry, Virgo. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not. Sometimes it's it's about allowing ourselves to wander off the path or dawdle, right, for a minute or just like kind of stand around and look at stuff for a second and have some discoveries. 
if I predetermine what my results have to be, I miss out on what my results could be. Virgo's key word is discernment. And we may have a hard time with our powers of discernment this week. It might be that it's really hard to utilize them. It might be that it is really hard to not overuse them. So again, I really encourage you to just stay curious where you can and otherwise stay rooted in the simple processes that keep you in touch with your values. Now, before we go forward, let's talk about our lunar body work. While the moon is in Sagittarius, we are awakening, activating, adorning, stimulating, and preparing for action. The lower back, the sciatic nerve family, and the thighs. And as I say every week, I am not a doctor of the human corpus. I am a doctor of whatever the fuck all this shit is. Uh, so <laughs> do not listen to some lady yelling on the internet about your bodily health. Check in with your trusted health advisor if you're wanting to integrate any of the information from this guide. And as I say every week, you can always work with the metaphor. So is there something on your back, right? Uh, you know, the thighs are the biggest muscles in the body and they do a lot of heavy lifting. Is there some place where you're doing a lot of heavy lifting that needs some review, right? <laughs> that thing. Okay. And for our plant body work, we are harvesting. Of course, we are still within the season of Lunasad. So this is a, an especially potent moon for harvesting. Um, but we are also doing pest control, disease control, which is important, especially as the weather begins to change. Um, we might also be plowing or weeding or aerating the soil in our houseplants or our plants outside. And this is also a great time for pruning plants to encourage bushier above ground growth. Okay. Okay. As I said before, um, we really have very little astrology to talk about, even though I just managed to blather on about that stuff for <laughs> 15 minutes. Um, so I'm going to actually go through all of that stuff first, and then we're going to talk about Holy Days Tarot and spell casting. So uh, on the same day, September 3rd, Mars is entering its shadow phase, or as the lovely Jessica Lanyato calls it, the retro shade um, at 8 degrees of Gemini. So yes, Mars will be stationing retrograde in Gemini. Uh, this won't happen until the end of October. So it's a little ways off, but again, we're coming into the auspices of it. And Gemini is another sign under the auspices of Mercury. And it's another sign focused on information and the uses of information and the acquiring of information. So it is very tied into what we are already doing with this moon and the season in general and all of that stuff. So, um, so think about all that stuff I was saying earlier <laughs> about wanting to get to the quote unquote important parts of the information. Mars is like, yes, but faster and with more arguments. So, so, you know, with this kind of astrology, there can be a real urge to speculate and to presume to know what's going on. 
because we have some of the info and maybe we think we can see a pattern in what's going on, right? And so, you know, Mars is super impatient. Mars gets frustrated easily. And this can encourage us to decide to go off half cocked before we have the whole picture. Not knowing the whole story is frustrating, especially if pulling back to think about the season that we are in, Lunasad, especially if we are in a leadership position and we are in charge of making decisions or people are looking to us to make decisions or to, to take the lead on something. How do we reconcile this? Again, I deeply encourage you to work your grounding practices and your self-care practices and allow those things to come forward as helpers in this really kind of tangled work. Um, you know, ask yourself, where can I take a time out? Um, you know, do I need to take a walk around the block, right? That's one of the things we always say on this podcast. Where do I need to put myself in time out? Where can I, you know, where can I take a moment and say, hey, can I have five minutes before I make this decision? Can I have a day before I respond? That kind of thing. How can I come into this moment and not be scattered across 18 potential outcomes? That's also the thing, right? It can really want us to jump into the future and just like have it all figured out. And, and you know, Virgo's like, cool, but I'm going to imagine every possible scenario, right? So, um, you know, so Mars is like, okay, you know, and Gemini also is like, I'm going to try to imagine every possible scenario and gather as much information as possible here. So if I'm working with a group um, or maybe just my several personalities, right, I might be asking myself things like this. What do I know for sure? <laughs> right? What do I know that I know for sure? And what decisions can I make around that stuff? Can I be honest and clear in my language with myself and everybody else on what I don't actually know? And just sit with that and be uncomfortable with the parts where I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a piece of information for you. I don't have the answer to your question. I'm sorry. What decisions can wait? And even if it's a bit overwhelming, can I or we, the group, the collective, make some space in the midst of this process for more folks to just talk it out as a means of dispelling disinformation or misinformation, right? Sometimes all it takes is to get the group together to actually talk to each other face to face. And then it becomes really clear exactly what we know and what we don't know. And it's not so much of a guessing game. It doesn't make the not knowing more comfortable necessarily, although it can be if we all realize that we're in the same boat together, right? Like none of us know what's going on. Okay, cool. So nobody here is more empowered necessarily than anybody else. We're all kind of in this together. Cool. Um, you know, and, and because it's Mars, can we all make space for the intensity that we might be bringing to our communication and our info exchange and our concern around whatever the subject matter is, right? It might be a real hot button issue. It might be something that's really triggering or activating for people. It might be something that feels exceptionally personal. Mars rules the first house. So, you know, it might be that you're dealing with topics that are just really sensitive by their very nature. And so can we make space 
for the fact that folks might be bringing a lot of intensity to the conversation. And we are all still committed to having a respect of, a respectful conversation where the goal of it is to dispel misinformation and to come into embracing whatever information we really know that we have that stuff. This is going to become more acute as we approach the actual retrograde. So it's good to start practicing now, right? <laughs> um, and I think that you can see how this sits with this week's moon and this Mercury retrograde at the end of the week, which again, we will talk more about. Okay. Sunday, September 4th, the moon enters Capricorn and Venus enters Virgo. Woo, thank goodness. Uh, grounding, grounding, grounding is the name of the game. Okay. Uh, now, um, Venus is not ex super excited to be in Virgo, but we'll get to that. I'm going to talk about that right now. <laughs> Venus in Virgo brings our need for pleasure and yumminess and beauty to all of that Virgo stuff that we've been talking about now. Again, as I just said, Venus is not the most comfortable in Virgo. Venus wants opulence and luxury, and Virgo wants efficiency and order, right? So, you know, Virgo, Virgo is like, you know, I, I measured the couch. It should be comfortable. And Venus is like, but did you sit on the couch? <laughs> did you actually find out if it's comfortable? Do you want to touch the material that it's made out of? And Virgo is like, who cares? It's water resistant, you know, stain resistant, right? It's that thing. It's that kind of argument between these two. So some stuff to watch out for. Um, Venusian energy wants to make people happy. And we might want to rush our process or skim over the uncomfortable parts in an effort to keep things cute and keep people happy. Think about all that stuff that we've been talking about. And you can see where Venus might be like, let's just make it nice. <laughs> um, but I want you to remember this. Just because folks are arguing doesn't mean that they're necessarily mad, right? Just because folks are intense doesn't mean that something bad is happening. And just because folks are smiling along doesn't mean that they're necessarily happy or that they agree with what's happening. So we want to keep that in mind. Venus in Virgo can also turn our self-care routines into moments when we start to compare our physical body to society's bullshit standards and yuck, do not fall for that crap. End of story. Uh, as I have said before, stay rooted in what feels good to you, what nurtures you, what satisfies you, and shut down any negative self-talk in these places. How Venus can really help us here is to bring some sweetness and luxuriousness to otherwise mundane or uncomfortable work that Virgo really wants us to engage. Um, and so, you know, if it's a moment where we're having a tense conversation with the group, can we pause and take a deep breath and remind everybody why we're here in the first place and bring them and bring ourselves uh, or our collective back to a, hey, we're here in love, right? We're here because we all want something really positive to, to come out of this process, right? Let's not lose sight of that. Continue with the intensity and the impassion, but let's not forget that we're all here collectively trying to work towards a goal. Or it might be, you know, while you're cleaning the living room, um, you know, turning that from cleaning the living room 
into cleaning the living room while keeping in mind a party that you might be wanting to throw. Or doing the laundry can become doing the laundry while keeping in mind parties or events that I might be attending this month. And these are the cute outfits I want to wear. So, you know, allowing Venus to come in and be like, hey, Virgo, it doesn't have to be all work and doldrums and, and crunchiness. We can have some softness here. We can remember the joy in what it is that we're doing, even as we're working hard on stuff that we don't necessarily like or that really makes us uncomfortable. Okay. Moving on to Monday, September 5th. Nothing. I got nothing. The moon is still hanging out and doing its thing. There's no astrology. Nothing. Okay. So Tuesday, September 6th slash Wednesday, September 7th, we have a gibbous moon in Capricorn or Aquarius, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, here, us folks on the West Coast, it is at 29 and a half degrees of Capricorn, and it's pretty late at night. It's like 11 something at night. What are my notes? Looking. Oh, no, it's like 7.50 p.m. Okay, so it's, you know, whatever. But you know, for the rest of the planet, it's basically Wednesday, September 7th, and it probably has already ticked into Aquarius by the time that's happening. So here's what I'm going to say about this. In light of all of the other stuff that we have talked about so far, I encourage you to use these few days while the moon is in Capricorn and then Aquarius um, to think about the light that you have been entrusted to carry in this world, the skills that you have. I want you to remember why you initially became invested in the situations you are invested in. And I wanna encourage you to be open to solutions, assistance, support, and accolades that might be coming from unexpected sources while you are wrangling with all of this tough work. Um, thinking about that Mars energy in the background, we can be, uh, you know, in autopilot settings and automatically offensive or automatically defensive when anybody is coming to us with anything, right? We might be automatically, I'm overwhelmed. I can't, I, I don't, I don't have space for whatever you're about to say. And the person's like, I'm just saying that you're doing a great job and here's a cupcake. You're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, that thing. <laughs> when the moon is in Capricorn, uh, for our lunar body work, we are adorning, activating, stimulating for action, the bones, the hair, the nails, and the teeth. So yes, this is a fantastic time for the mani-pedi as a holy act, or the hair zhuzhing as a holy act. Um, and for our plant body work, we are maintaining containers, borders, fences, beds, and structures perfect, honestly, right? What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. Like here is everything that's inside my fence that I need to worry about. And I will deal with what's out there in a minute. <laughs> um, it might just be wiping down your, your pots for your plants. Um, uh, but it might be, you know, making sure that things are in good repair and, um, ready to go for this next season. And then while the moon is traveling through Aquarius for our lunar body, we are activating, awakening, adorning, 
uh, the legs and especially the knees and to a lesser extent, the ankles. Um, these are the parts of the body that Aquarius rules. And then for our plant body work, this is another night for harvesting or nights, I should say, um, for harvesting. But we also want to be doing our pest control, our disease control, plowing, aerating the soil and weeding above ground. Not a good night for pruning, though. Um, okay, so then the astrology of Wednesday, September 7th, we have the sun in Virgo trine the north node in Taurus. I'm just going to say a little bit about this. We might get a little sign or some encouragement from the universe about the path that we're on or the work that we're doing in all of these really kind of confusing places, which I love, right? It really helps. It's kind of the same thing that I'm saying about the moon moving through Capricorn and Aquarius is like, know your worth and be open to support and, you know, high fives from unexpected places. And here we have the sun in Virgo trying the North Node in Taurus that's also saying like, hey, be open to signs and symbols and high fives from the universe that are like, you're, you're doing the thing. Good job. You're on the path. Um, and so, yeah, you know, a sign or some type of encouragement um, that connects or speaks to the loftiest goals in this lifetime. Sometimes that can really help us slog through the hard parts, right? I'm, I'm my feet are in the sewer, but I'm looking up at the stars kind of a moment. <laughs> my feet are in the compost. We could say it that way. Uh, Thursday, September 8th, the moon moves into Pisces, uh, where we are going to have our full moon on Friday or Saturday, depending on where you are in the world. So we are officially, as of Thursday, September 8th, entering the full moon pre-funk. Um, I'm going to be real. This full moon that's coming up is a fucking mess. Uh, kind of. A little bit of a mess. <laughs> so like I was saying at the beginning, uh, discernment and grounding in what you know for certain is true and really being easy with all of the unknowns is going to be pretty important as we come to the end of the week. And we will talk about this more, obviously, when we get closer to the full moon, but, uh, for our lunar body work with the moon in Pisces, we are activating, awakening, adorning, the legs, but especially the ankles and especially the feet. Uh, that is specifically the part of the body, the Pisces rules. And for our plant body work, this is a great time for planting or transplanting stuff, um, especially things that are going to bear crops above ground or that we are wanting to, you know, produce above ground. So if I'm transplanting a plant that I already have, uh, this is a day where I'm transplanting a plant that I'm not concerned about its roots establishing itself. I'm more concerned about getting it to be bushier up on top, that kind of a thing. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Moving on to Friday, September 9th. Dun, 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 dun. Mercury stations retrograde in Libra. So I know that we've kind of covered this in multiple pieces, um, you know, throughout this podcast. So, um, just to recap, Mercury and retrograde in Libra is all about reviewing our relationship stuff. We know what's up. 
when we are working with a Mercury retrograde, right? This is not our first rodeo. It's all about the re's, right? R-E. So we are reviewing, renegotiating, reorganizing, reconnecting, re-evaluating, relating, and re-deciding. <laughs> um, so, you know, depending on where this is in your chart, you're going to want to bust out your natal chart and look at Libra. Um, let me pull out my notes exactly here so that I know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Um, Mercury is stationing retrograde at eight degrees of Libra or nine degrees of Libra, um, and is going to station direct, um, October 2nd at 24 degrees of Virgo. So you're going to want to bust out your natal chart and look at where in your chart, what house or houses fall, um, anywhere between eight degrees of Libra and 24 degrees of Virgo. And that'll give you some sense of like the places in your life where you might be seeing this Mercury retrograde actually manifest for you personally. So this could manifest as reviewing your wardrobe and bringing back some old style favorites, literally, right? It doesn't have to always be super hardcore, but sometimes it is. Um, you might be reconnecting with some old friends, uh, you might be reevaluating what's happening in your current relationships. But Libra also covers contracts. So, you know, I don't know what your situation is, but it could be a powerful time to review or renew labor contracts, rental agreements, mortgage agreements, um, or renegotiate a purchase that you've made, right? We have lots of stuff in Earth Signs this week. So it could be really something that has to do with the physical plane here. Um, as an aside, I think it's like super wild, <laughs> all of the legal and info, right? Information symbolism that we have this week and all the stuff that's happening with Trump. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Mercury rules travel and communication. So you might be reviewing your plans for a trip or something about a trip that's been planned is under negotiation or under review in some way. You know, it could be something as simple as like watching reruns or rewatching old favorite movies or returning to some of your old favorite music or old favorite artists from the past. Again, it doesn't have to be super hardcore. It might be, it might be, um, but it could, you know, manifest in all of those types of ways. Okay. That is the astrology of the week. That's it. That's what I said. Like we barely have anything going on, even, even though it's kind of heavy stuff. It's like, it's not a lot. Um, so let's get into the holidays. But before that, how about an ad? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you a bajillion billion times. See, the, the sirens are going off even as I say it. Um, thank you so, so much to my patrons. Um, you guys don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. Thank you so much. Uh, you can sub for as little as a dollar if you just think this podcast is dope and you want to support it. Uh, I don't run ads on the podcast Um Partly because I don't want to, and partly because I won't get paid even if I do. Uh, so screw them, man. Um, 
You can sub, as I said, for as little as a buck or $5, even if you want to just support the podcast. And this is plenty of information. But if you want even more information, um, you know, extra podcasts, extra videos, extra information about the Wheel of the Year, magical practices, tarot, etc., etc., uh, subbing at the higher levels, you get all kinds of cool free stuff. And at the even higher levels, uh, you get free readings every month with me um, to be able to integrate all of this information into your personal life based on what's going on in your natal chart and all of that other good stuff. Join and change your life forever. Or, you know, whatever. Thanks so much for the support. If you can't support financially, I completely understand because life sucks on earth right now. It's too expensive for everything. Um, tell a friend, share it on social media, uh, give it a thumbs up. If you're feeling especially hedonistic, you can leave a rating or a review. All right. That's the end of the ad. Let's get back to the podcast. Okay. Getting into the holy days of this week. Good Lord. The <laughs> Uh, this is one of those weeks where I'm like, yep, you know, <laughs> when I just look at the astrology and the magic and the wheel and the holy days from the past, like they just all like line up in such a tidy way. You're like, yes, this is magic. <laughs> it's paganism and it's right here for, for anybody who would like to sample some. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. So to kick off uh, our holy days this week, um, September 2nd or 3rd through September 29th, we have the Celtic month of vine or bramble. Um, so what do we have with the month of vine? We talk about the Celtic tree months every, every month. Um, and so what does this one bring us? Well, this month is focused on the balance between easy and hard, light and dark, joy and wrath. Now note um, I did say that this could be vine or bramble, and that's because grape vines were introduced to the Celtic peoples through Roman occupation. Um, and it's very possible that it was brambles and other vining plants before that. But if we think of the vine as a source of grapes and grapes as the source of wine, we know that wine can be a source of joy or sorrow. Um, you know, it can also be the source of loose lips, right? So here's yet another indicator around information and holding it lightly without judgment, right? Like we, perhaps we have been that person, perhaps we have known that person who, you know, has a drink or two, and then all of a sudden they're spilling all their secrets or they're spilling everybody else's secrets or they're spinning these tall tales. And, you know, we don't know if they're telling the truth or what's going on, right? So that whole thing. Um, but then, you know, also thinking about this as the month of brambles, um, that immediately makes me think of blackberries, which definitely grow on vines. They are definitely a vining plant. And they too can be a source of joy, right? Our delicious berries and a source of sorrow. <laughs> the thorns can totally kick your ass. <laughs> um, but also if you leave the plants to their own devices, they will choke out everything else. They will completely take over. And then it's just a big gnarly tangle of who knows what the hell is going on in your backyard. So this whole month, 
even here with our holy days, right? This whole month is going to be bringing us situations and conversations and circumstances that have at least two sides to them. Or maybe they bring up multiple reactions in us. And as we approach the equinox, which is just a few weeks away, yes, my friends, summer is running out. We need to be balanced as we walk with a foot in both worlds of light and dark, knowing and unknowing, joy and sorrow. Paradox is at the root of our magic. And this time of year can bring that really sharply into focus for us. So this Celtic month of vine is kind of right here in the midst of all of that stuff that we're working on. Um, along with uh, Celtic tree month of vine or brambles on September 3rd, we have from our Roman friends and ancestors, the Mames Vendemia. Uh, and this is a vine oriented holiday, Vendemia, um, dedicated to Dionysus. And this is part of a big complex of holy days dedicated to Dionysus that happen throughout the year. There are four major ones and they are all posited near the solar holidays. So the two equinoxes and the two solstices or equini and solstice um, dedicated. And so this is dedicated to Dionysus in their form as uh, a producer, a provider, um, the, the fullness, the abundance of the natural world. And then on September 7th, from our Spanish friends and ancestors, we have Fiesta de la Vendimia, uh, which is, yet again, another festival dedicated to the vine and to the harvest of grapes. We will see this exact same festival celebrated in Argentina in March, when they are experiencing their fall equinox because they are in the uh, southern equator or in the southern hemisphere. And then on September 8th, from our Wimuk friends and ancestors, we have the Acorn Festival. This is a uh, festival that is celebrated in Tulum, California by the Wimuk uh, indigenous Native American folks. Um, and it is a celebration of the harvest. It is a celebration of Wimuk culture, and it is an intertribal celebration. So a lot of the other tribes that are... Um, from Southern and Central California celebrate along with them. And that is for the most part, uh, the totality of our um, harvest and vegetation festivals that we have this week, because the majority of our festivals this week are dedicated to women, femmes, and the goddess as mother, producer, and provider. Um, and so let's get into that. Uh, on September 3rd, from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have Artemis Agroterra. And so right there in that word, Agroterra. Okay. Um, Artemis in the Greek religion is the goddess of wild animals, the hunt, and vegetation, and of chastity and childbirth. Put a little asterisk next to that. Um, she was identified uh, by the Romans with Diana goddess of the moon. So um, this is really just a, a straightforward festival dedicated to Artemis, again, as a, a producer and a provider. Um, but again, there's that thing there about childbirth, which we are going to get more and more imagery uh, connected to the idea or the, the grand um, moment of childbirth as we approach the fall equinox. Interestingly, 
NASA was going to send a rocket named Artemis to the moon this week, but called it off. So there's your Mercury travel symbolism retrograde all rolled up into one thing. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here on the podcast. (laughs) Um, All right. So September 4th, from our Hindu friends and ancestors, we have Radha Ashtami. This is a festival dedicated to the goddess or the queen Radha, who is the consort of the god Krishna. On September 7th, from our Yoruba friends and ancestors, we have the birth of Yamaya. And September 8th, also from our Yoruba friends and ancestors, we have the birth of Oshun. Um, And these two goddesses are the goddesses of waters. Yamaya is uh, the goddess of the ocean, and Oshun is the goddess of rivers and other inland waterways. And these... This is arguably the most uh, celebrated date dedicated to Yamaya. Um, There are other really big holidays around the world uh, at different times of year dedicated to Yamaya. There's another one that's really big in in February. Um, And that is... uh, pretty much because of the the diaspora that Yoruba land people have been subjected to over the centuries. Um, that they knew that Scottish was important, but they didn't have a calendar and they didn't, they didn't know where they were in the year. And so a day would be picked to, to celebrate. Um, but September days are, are ones that we definitely see echoed in a lot of places. And here again, we have these goddesses who are mothers, who are producers, providers, protectors of humanity, um, and also fully connected to water, the ocean itself, uh, and rivers and waterways. Um, how does that connect to childbirth? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe when the water breaks as an announcement that the baby is going to be born soon? Hmm, could be. Maybe I'm meh, meh. Yeah, okay. Also September 8th, we have the birth of Mary and the descent of the Holy Sophia from our Catholic friends and ancestors. The Holy Sophia is basically Virgo, (laughs) pretty much uh, the Virgin Mary, Virgo, the Virgin. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's actually that close and that easy. So we have our Virgo symbolism and goddess as mother, provider, and producer all tangled up in all of this good stuff. September 9th, from our modern pagan friends and ancestors, we have the Feast of the Mother Earth. Hello. <laughs> all right. Um, also September 9th, from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have Democratia. And uh, this is a celebration of the idea of democracy itself. Certainly something that is um, arguable these days. But at the time, this was looked at Uh, democracy itself was considered a gift from the goddess Themis. Uh, And Themis very much connects to our Virgo imagery um, of goddess as wisdom, goddess as knowledge. Uh, From our Hindu friends and ancestors here also on September 9th, we have Hartalika Tij, excuse me, Hartalika Tij. This is a women's friendship festival. So femme for femme, we love to see it. Um, and then also on this day, we have Anant Charadashi, which is a women women's purification festival. Um, and that purification festival and the Friendship Fest, all of these things are really woven together. Um, the, the dedication to Goddess Themis, the Feast for the Earth Mother, all of this is literally the network of women and femmes uh, coming together 
uh, to prepare for this massive birth that is about to happen on the physical plane that is the harvest itself, right? We've been talking about the harvest already for so long. This has just been the preamble, baby. We're getting into the actual thick of it here coming up into Maybon season. Okay, because we are officially coming into the pre-funk of the massive delivery of the fall equinox harvest. All right. What else is going on? The only other holy day that I want to mention from this week is that the Torrid Meteor Showers are kicking off this week. They will run through December. Um, so any we I would highly recommend looking up when the peak moments are supposed to be uh, and then look for the new moons that are closest to those peak times. And those will be the easiest times to go and see uh, Torrid Meteor Showers. Okay, that's it for holidays. That's all I'm going to say about holidays. <laughs> I've said too much. I've said just enough. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. That's all I'm going to say about the holidays. Uh, now I'm going to talk about tarot because it's time. Okay. Now let us get into our tarot card for this week. Um, as we talked about, uh, as we stepped into Virgo season, the cards that we want to be working with in total are the hermit, the magician, and the eight, nine, and 10 of pentacles. But this week in particular, I am focusing on the nine of pentacles. And the card that I'm working with is from the Smith Waite deck. Um, I've talked a lot about why I work with this deck um, in particular when, when doing this stuff. Um, but uh, big, big props, big ups to Pamela Coleman Smith, Pixie Smith, um, who did a lot of the designing for the major arcana, did all of the designing for the minor arcana. The minor arcana was not illustrated before she came along. So always remember that. Keep that in your back pocket at all times. Uh, she came up with what these designs are. And, um, Man, rabbit holes on rabbit holes when you get into the symbolism. It's just really incredible and wonderful. Okay, so what do we have in Pamela Coleman Smith's Nine of Pentacles card? We have a person, a femme of some type, um, hanging out in an incredibly lush garden. They have a beautiful robe on. Um, they have a, a very cool hat. Uh, and they are holding a bird and their bird has its own hat. So we are clearly bawling in this card, right? <laughs> like something is going very right in this card. Uh, this person gently has, they're holding their bird with one hand and they gently have their hand resting on one of the many pentacles that is growing on the, uh, vines that are behind them. The vines, that's right, because also the in, almost the entire background is filled with grape vines behind them. And then way, way off in the distance, we see some beautiful purple mountains and just the the very few details of like a beautiful little chateau or or a house of some type off in the distance. Um, I, I love this card. First off, when this card comes up for me in a reading, I always feel like it's a massive high five from the universe. That's like, dude, you have been putting in the time, get paid. Like you have been putting in the work, you've been putting in the effort. Here is some pay off. And so let's talk about this a little bit. First off, like, where do I even start? Because there's just so many things. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give it to you. Uh, first off, 
this person is dressed in an outfit that is very similar to the Empress. You might pull out the Empress card and compare it to the Nine of Pentacles. Is that important? It is. Uh, the Empress card connects us to da -da 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 -da, the planet Venus. And <laughs> we've got Venus astrology this week. So that's really appropriate for us to be hanging out with the Empress as well. Um, and the Empress is this really wonderful attitude. The Empress is an archetype of mothering, nurturing, providing, and producing. And doing that work from a place of, you know, everything is going to happen in its time. The, the Empress has a lot of patience, a lot of tolerance for chaos and for things not going to plan. The Empress is absolutely an archetype that says, I don't need to know everything. I just need to observe and then respond. Um, and so that Empress energy might really be helpful for us. And the Nine of Pentacles is kind of like the mundane world version of that really lofty archetype that we see depicted in the Empress. The, the Nine of Pentacles is like the version that we could physically aspire to in a real sense. So this is a person that we know has a lot of patience. One of my favorite symbols on this card is down at their feet, really, really bottom, really, really small, drawn at the very bottom of the card is a tiny little snail. And snails take their time, right? They're slow, but they get there eventually. They got their house on their back. They're slimy and wet. They've got it all figured out. <laughs> but it's a sign right there on this card that even though it seems like a trivial thing, patience may actually be a key element to our process. Um, this person uh, is dressed in a yellow robe with red symbols all over it that could be interpreted as Venus symbols, could be interpreted as flowers. Um, but again, it's very similar to the robe that the Empress is wearing. And then the undercolor of this robe around their collar and like on the insides of their sleeves is like a reddish brown or a russet color. And that color is something that we see show up on fruit and on uh, fruit bearing trees as a sign of maturity and ripening. So the, the color magic that we have in this card is really indicating to us that like our situation is coming into ripeness. It's coming into the sweetest and the best part. Um, as I said, behind them, they have these really lush vines rolling everywhere, covered in grapes. So clearly things are, are moving along and, and, you know, thinking back, pull out also maybe the seven of pentacles and look at where we were in that portion of the process compared to where we are now, right? Something that was just starting to produce is like really producing at this point. And we are wearing a cool hat. Um, it is fairly bright red in color. And so our passion for the thing is here. It's part of our thinking process. We care. We love this. We want to be involved. But our bird also has a hat. And its hat is a bit more structured and almost looks like a helmet for the bird, which makes me think of the knights. And in that, there is a, a, a suggestion of focus for me um, that... You know, and again, the bird is really small. The hat is even smaller. So just like the snail, it's this really small detail on the card. 
And that's a part of where we are in our process right now is that things are rolling along. We're in charge. We're dressed nicely. We look cool, but we know quietly to ourselves, we know that a big part of how we have as much success as we do have in this is because we were patient and we were focused. <laughs> we, we made sure to take the time that it needed to, you know, bring attention and, um, and, and be on top of the details, right? That's what Virgo wants. Take your time, pay attention to the details. And we have been, and this is the payoff. What's the part that we see? The beautiful robe, the opulence, that's the part that's on display. But we know quietly to ourselves that opulence and luxury wouldn't have necessarily manifested if we had not stayed the course and paid attention to the details and really responded to what the situation needed from us. In total, I love this card and um, I'm very biased towards it. So if you get a reading from me, sorry, I'm really biased towards this card. <laughs> but um, but again, as I said, I always think of this card as like a massive high five from the universe that's like, man, you have been putting in the effort enjoy the bag, uh, enjoy the payoff. Um, you know, our house or the villa, right. Or the chateau is off in the distance. So we're not completely removed from society. And it's also a, a kind of an image or a symbol of our success and our capacity to build a home for ourselves, to build a life for ourselves. And that looking back thing um, really makes me think of like a meme. I was going to mention this later, but I'm going to mention it with this card. There's a meme going around that I think is very sweet where, um, you know, you have a person who's maybe an artist or whatever, and they're thinking to themselves, gosh, I wish I was selling more of my art, or I wish I was making more money off my art, or wish I was more successful. And then it flashes back to a picture of themselves as a kid. And the kid is saying, wait, what? We're an artist? We're selling art? What? And so the nine of pentacles, I think, is also a moment to like pause within yourself and to think back, what have I done to get here? Um, what have I, uh, you know, what have I sacrificed? What have I had to leave behind? What have I had to embrace? What did I have to learn? Um, what did I have to draw out of myself and develop or refine to be able to be where I am now? Another image that I want to give you in that is thinking about the hermit at the top of the mountain and the, the, like the mega climb that we have to go through to get up there to the top of the mountain. And all we might be thinking about in our process is, oh my God, this is so hard and look at how far yet I have to go. And oh my God, it's way up there. And how am I going to get there? And the nine of pentacles represents a moment where we should stop, take a breath, have a sandwich and look back at how far we have come. Are we at the goal yet? No, we're not. But we absolutely can take a moment to pat ourselves on the back and go, holy shit, bitch, look at how far you have come. Which, look, good job. Are we done? No, we're not. But look at what we've accomplished so far. We are ripening. We are coming into our season. We are coming into our sweetness and our fullness. It is happening. Take a second appreciate yourself and appreciate the work that you have put in. It's fucking important, man. All right. Moving into spell crafting and magic for this week. Okie dokie. Uh, spell crafting for this week. Sorry. Um, anything I think 
that is going to any kind of spell work, any kind of ritual work this week that is going to assist you in handling information. Um, anything that's going to assist you in developing your wisdom, uh, anything that is assisting you in uh, your discernment, wielding your discernment, or even just drawing it up and out and really like being clear about things, right? Um, anything that is reinforcing or encouraging your patience, um, any kind of spell work or ritual that brings focus to understanding the fruits of your labor, um, I think it's really important, as I already said, to take a moment to understand what you've had to cultivate in yourself, patience, focus, uh, information, right? Give and receive, um, to achieve what you have so far, um, to recognize what you've had to sacrifice, lunasad season, to recognize what you've nurtured, to be where you are. Um, I think that's really, really important work this week. And again, we might be doing those as grounding practices and grounding spells and grounding rituals of like, I don't know what the fuck is going on up there, but I know what I am and I know what I've done to get where I'm at. That's all I know. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable, but that's all I know. And I know it really well. Um, so a spell for you this week, because we have our moon in Sagittarius, that's a fire sign. You might write some of this down. You might do some journaling around all of this stuff. You might just come up with a sigil that represents this work that you've done and are doing. Um, and then lay it on your altar, right? Create sacred space, obviously. Um, sorry, a little out of order there. Create sacred space. <laughs> Light a candle. Uh, and write some of this stuff down. Again, journal it or create a sigil or what have you. And then place the paper on your altar. Uh, and have your candle in a candle holder that is safe and put it on top of the paper. We do not want to burn the paper. Um, but what we do want is for the light and the flame from this candle to magnify the energy of whatever it is that you've written down. And so it is going to travel from the paper up through the candle and sort of be shot out into the universe in all directions of like, I'm doing this. Burp, burp, burp basically that. Um, and then once the candle burns down completely, keep that piece of paper somewhere important, right? We are fostering these things. We're acknowledging them. We are saying yes to these things. Um, if we were in a waning moon, a waning Sagittarius moon, I might say, write down all the things that you think are impeding you or things that you've had to leave behind or sacrifice or let go of. And then we burn that, right? Because we're releasing it. We're destroying those, those inhibitions. Um, but here we are embracing what we're cultivating. We're embracing our strengths. We're embracing our skills, our talents, the things that we have cultivated within ourselves to be where we are now. Um, and so we are asking that flame to kind of take that message and amplify it out into the universe. Um, another thing that you might do as a spell or a ritual this week is to make or acquire a magical tool that is going to assist you in developing your discernment or uh, choosing information or sitting comfortably with whatever it is that you know and don't know. And for me, what immediately comes to mind is like putting a magnifying glass or a pair of glasses 
on my altar as a means of saying, I'm really getting in on the details and I'm really paying attention to what it is that the universe is asking me to focus on. And another spell that you could cast this week is making a big pot of stew. Uh, making food is one of my all-time favorite ways to practice magic and spellcrafting. Um, and in particular this week, making a soup or a stew out of our three sisters that we learned about from our indigenous friends and ancestors um, across Turtle Island, aka North America, which are corn, beans, and squash. Those are the three sisters that grow together. And um, to be ultra, ultra magic about it, we can think of the corn kernels as literally nuggets of gold. Um, we can think of the beans like in the uh, myth or the story Jack of the Beanstalk, right? These are the beans that turn into a magical stock that, you know, ultimately brings him into his destiny and this great adventure and riches and, and um, accomplishment. Um, and squash, uh, certainly uh, there's plenty of myths out there about, uh, you know, various figures turning squash and pumpkins into homes or into carriages that bring them into these wild adventures. Um, and in all of these, like the, the corn and the beans can be put in whole, but if you're cutting up your squash, you are probably cutting up your squash, cut it into um, uh, pieces that are square um, for that four-sided thing, four being connected to Jupiter and prosperity and abundance. Um, or cut your squash into, you know, numbers of four, you know, so quarter it and quarter it again and quarter it again until you get it down into bite-sized pieces. Um, that's how easy it is. <laughs> it really is. If you put carrots in there, uh, keep your carrots in rounds because they literally are orange suns and they're little coins that you are dumping into the pot. Um, and if we want to get real particular about it, make sure that you are stirring your stew clockwise because that is building abundance. That is bringing up the energy. An occasional counterclockwise stir. You know, what are you going to do? A little chaos. I never hurt anybody. But uh, clockwise or diacil is the other word that we use in, in paganism and witchcraft. Um making sure that you are stirring to the right. So you are stirring with the pattern of the sun um, as it's moving around um, to build that energy, to promote that abundance. Okay. Let's get into the roundup, shall we? All right. Okay. Our lunar work this week is taking us from Sagittarius to Pisces, and these are both mutable signs. And these are, you know, part of our astrology that is indicating we are coming to the end of summer, moving through Virgo, also a mutable sign, um, and really reinforcing that idea that we are shifting forms, we are transforming, we are changing shape. Um, out of our summer bodies and our summer lives and into our fall bodies and our fall lives and letting that energy shift, assisting even that energy in shifting as we move out of summer and into autumn. For our astrology this week, Saturday, uh, September 3rd, at 11.07 a.m. at 11 to 12 degrees, we have our waxing half moon in Sagittarius. On Sunday the 4th, 
We have the moon moving into, yes, the moon moving into Capricorn at 7.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else. Uh, and at 9.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have Venus moving into Virgo. On Monday the 5th, we have nothing. On Tuesday the 6th, we have uh, the moon at Gibbous phase, 29 and a half degrees of Capricorn, or possibly zero degrees Aquarius, depending on where you are around the world. Um, because it moves into Aquarius my time, 8.41 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Wednesday the 7th, we have the Sun in Virgo trine the North Node in Taurus at 15 degrees. Thursday the 8th, we have the Moon in Pisces. And Friday the 9th, we have Mercury stationing retrograde in Libra at 8 to 9 degrees. And that, my friends, is... Your Lunasad season, Waxing Moon in Sagittarius, Lunar Week 30. I really hope that you take time this week in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the impatience and the frustration. Take some time this week to look back on all that you have managed to accomplish in spite of those motherfuckers, right? <laughs> in spite of COVID, in spite of native, like late stage capitalism, in spite of all of the wild ass stuff that society is throwing at us these days. Look at your badassery glittering in the sun, the waning sun, but all the same, the sun. Um, and I hope that you take some time uh, to develop your discernment this week and to really allow yourself to acknowledge to yourself what you know and find ease with all that you don't know and cultivate your Sagittarian curiosity around those things and leave behind the Virgo nitpickiness a little bit, though it's very necessary and we love it when it's appropriate. Um, and also to tame the Martian, the martial impatience that Mars is going to want to bring in and the frustration and the defensiveness that Mars is going to want to bring in. Can we sit in curiosity around what we don't know? And can we sit in acknowledgement of our own accomplishments and abundance in, the, in spite of all of the wild ass shit that's been thrown at us? That's all. That's all that I need you to do this week, heathens. <laughs> My lovely witches. Um, to everybody who has signed up for the welcome to tarot workshop, I am so excited. Uh, the Dropbox is already open. You should have gotten that link in your confirmation email. So if, when you sign up for that, you will get a link to the Dropbox and you can start working right away. There's homework in there right now already before the workshop even begins <laughs> because that's how we roll. <laughs> um, all right, but that's it. Uh, blessed be my heathens. Take it easy on yourselves this week. And I highly, highly, highly recommend a second scoop of ice cream and extra sprinkles. You know why? Because that's why. Blessed be.